Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnivale and I'm the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. Today I'm joined by our host, Peter Englert, the director of adult ministries at Browncroft and John Amayo, the New York State crew director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. Today we have Alyssa Catanzaro. She's the missions coordinator at Browncroft. And we're talking about why God, why do I ignore the needs of people in other parts of the world? This is a great question. So I'm really excited uh, to have Alyssa. Alyssa and I are now in a team together, which is her role with missions coordinating. And I just think um, we're going to have a great conversation. And I think with this question, the way that I would start it is, I feel like now there are so many causes around the world that it just feels so overwhelming of what can I do. Mm. And and so even hearing this question, I can feel my anxiety of, you know, I, I know that I'm probably in the top 2% of the world. Anybody living in America is like, but what exactly am I supposed to do to help? So I don't know, John, what were some of your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big one for me is just how much we hear about the needs around the world just in general. And it almost makes us desensitized to the needs around the world, mm. like how much we hear about it. And that's a little bit scary, actually. You would think that we would become more compassionate, but what I'm noticing even within my own soul is that I can become more numb than compassionate, which is actually the opposite of loving is numb. So um, that's why I'm really excited to have Alyssa here with us today. And she's passionate about this topic. And it's great to have you here, Alyssa. Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks uh, for having me. So let's get started. What's what's your current role at Browncroft? And also just fill us in because you've gone you know, to different countries, like this is a passion, you know, kind of catch us up to say how you kind of landed here because you wanted to land here. So, yeah. So I just started as the missions coordinator at Browncroft in the last two months. I've been working at Browncroft for four years and I, I grew up here. So I grew up in Browncroft, went through their children's program, their youth program. And the youth program is why I became interested in missions. So, I mean, I Flower City, I guess, officially started it, but that's, you know, serving in Rochester, which is the best thing ever. And, um, but my freshman year of high school, I went to Jamaica on a missions trip with the youth group. And the only reason I went was because my friend's mom was like, hey, the... That's not a mom's voice. <laughs> <laughs> it could hey. have been her voice. We don't right, know. It could yeah, have been. I mean, that that's very accurate. Yeah, yeah, she just she told us like the youth group's going to Jamaica. Don't you want to go? And we're like, oh shoot, yeah, I want to go to Jamaica. Let's go. So when kids say that they pray about their decisions to go, maybe yeah. the maybe well, the later years, yeah. but well, half of the time, adults that say I know, they pray very there. true. Anyway, that's true. But yeah, yeah so we decided that we would go to Jamaica and I'm like, cool, this is great. I was terrified. And yeah, so we went there. It was the first time I've traveled without my parents. You know, I'm 14 or 15 and it was very overwhelming. And, uh, but my favorite, and this is where like my testimony begins or whatever, but, um, yeah, we went to this children's home and it was for disabled kids that have been like abandoned by their families just because resources in the world, you know, if you can't take care of your child or you can't provide for your child, then they just sort of get left somewhere. So uh, we worked with this children's home and they were mentally and physically disabled kids. So we were, um, and the way that it, I'm going to paint a picture for you. Yeah. But the I way that it. you're doing a great the, job already. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the way that it was, the compound was like set up. There was this huge gate that you pull up to. And then there were like six or so little houses on each side of this like really long dirt path. So a bunch of buildings in a row, a big dirt path in the middle. And um, so we go in and on the bus ride there, I'm like freaking out panicking because just very uncomfortable like the situation was uncomfortable for me and I was scared I'm like I don't know how to talk to people 
I'm 14 and I don't know how to interact with people that have like disabilities that I like just have no experience with. So I was just uncomfortable and scared. And that was the first time that I had really prayed like about anxiety and about like needing God's peace. And, um, and, and I'm like literally on the verge of throwing up so scared. And then we pull up and the gate's there and I'm like, oh, we see kids like, Kids are lined up on the gate. They're so excited that we're here. And I'm in the car like, okay, actually, maybe I shouldn't go in. This is a mistake. And and then I step off the bus. The second I stepped off the bus, like, the line from bus to gate, like, my whole body is just covered in peace. And I was strangely comfortable. Like, it was very weird. Um it's not weird. I guess that's what Jesus is. But I was like, oh, my gosh, what's yeah. happening? Like It was the first time you experienced something like that. Yeah, yeah. So panicky. Right, exactly. So at peace at the same time. Yeah. So we get in, and I'm still, like, pretty uncomfortable. Now I'm not panicking, but I'm uncomfortable. And one of the leaders is like, hey, here's this little boy. He's in a stroller. He can't walk, and he can't talk, but he sits in a stroller. And so here you go. And so my friend and I— we spent the afternoon pushing him in the stroller, like up and down the dirt path. And there were like little bumps in the path. And so we were like pushing him in the stroller and over the bumps, we're making it a huge deal, like a, like a roller coaster, whatever. And he can't talk. So we don't know his name and we don't know how old he is. And he can't like communicate with us. But every time we went over, like a bump in the road, he would burst out and laughing. Like mm. he laughed so hard. And we were like, what is going on? Like you don't have anything. Mm. You literally don't have anything. You don't have a family. You don't, you can't talk. You can't walk. You're like stuck in the stroller in the middle of Jamaica and you're laughing. Like there's still joy in you. And that was really shocking for me as someone that like has a bunch of things and um, just like I was just shocked at the pure joy that this little boy had. And that was like the moment that I felt God was like, this is what you're supposed to do. You are supposed to like take care of my people and serve me wherever. And I was like. Like, it was a weird, you know, call to missions at 14 because now I'm 25 and working at a church, which was not what I wanted to do or never, like, what I thought I would do. I loved the church and I, like, grew up here, but I never pictured, like, working here. So it is cool. Like, I wanted—so at that moment, I wanted missions, but I didn't know what missions looked like. So I continued, you know, the trips to like with the youth group, graduated high school, went to Africa my sophomore year of high or of college, and then got heavily involved with Guitars for Glory. So traveled with them, did more like local things. And they, uh, Guitars for Glory is a local thing out of Rochester, but they work globally. So I always say that I have an an international heart, but, um, but it's cool that I can do that stuff from Rochester. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So can you bring us back to that moment? Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to, to get what it must've felt like being 14 in Jamaica and you're feeling like God is telling you, like, this is what I want you to do with your life. Like, how, how did you know that? Yeah. So it, it's actually, I'm like semi embarrassed about this, but um, so as a joke for a long time, <laughs> um, so we would use, we used to joke around like my family that I like needed to marry a rich man because I just like needed someone to take care of me and whatever, <laughs> which is still semi true. But um, <laughs> at 14, which is like such a weird age, but I realized, like, in this moment, I was like, I'm going to be, <laughs> I feel horrible saying this, but I'm like, I'm going to be poor. But I was like, I'm going to be, like, not, like, I'm not going to marry a rich man because mm-hmm. that's not, like, what I want. Like, it's not something that, like, aligns with what I 
like how my heart works, I guess. Yeah. It's embarrassing, but um Oh, no, that's like flipping the script. Yeah, yeah, and it was just like, okay, I actually do want like there is some kind of enjoyment of like we slept in a school. So I've like these cement buildings and like we didn't even have wasn't there weren't even like windows. It was just like a big cutout of this cement and we just slept on air mattresses but it was like the ground and that's like my first real experience of poverty and I was like this is strangely not uncomfortable like and obviously I'm not like I don't live in an impoverished area or world and even that was like we still were safe and it was still I was on a mattress, not on the actual ground, but there was just something about it that was like not uncomfortable for me. Mm. I don't know. So this is great. And one of the things that I'm thinking about is, um, so there's a book, When Helping Hurts. Yeah. And um, so I'm listening to this podcast. This is a um, middle-class American woman who's going on a trip and how do you respond to people that are like well Alyssa's just doing this because it's a shot in the arm like she did her poverty thing and you know she's helping the world just to like it's about helping her feel better like you know because it seems like over the last 11 years this has been like a consistent thing and how would you kind of say that that's unhealthy because I'm sure you've encountered people that well I'm just going to take care of this little world thing and then I'll come back and I'll, you know, I'm going to marry for money because love doesn't pay the bills. Uh, You know, how do you respond to that? So I think, well, I think there is like, you do have to be careful too because a lot of people like to travel. So, and it is, it's fun and it's cool to go places and, you know, see a different part of the world and different people. And so I have experienced like, oh, this is really cool. Like, let's just, let's go here. Let's serve here. Mm. You're like, okay, cool. Just to check it off your bucket list, like made it to another continent. And you're like, okay, great. But um, yeah, so I think you do have to protect yourself. Like, like I said, that I was a 14 year old that went and I didn't pray. Mm. (laughs) I didn't pray about it. Um, But like, you really do need to, figure it out if it's for you like if you should go or travel or um go to serve these people learn about the people before you go there like make sure that it's something that you're not just going because it like is good to go or it's you know I want to travel more or something like I don't know just making sure your intentions are good well what what kept you kind of consistent because it doesn't sound like it turned the volume up and then you turned it down. It sounded like gradually from 14, like, was it just experience after experience or, you know, what were the things that kind of kept inspiring you to help people from the other side of the world? Yeah. So I, it, I'm one of those people that like experiences and heart connections is really important. And so each an enneagram too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just we'll come back to that. Welcome to the two table. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Um, yeah. So I just like, and I can picture so many things from the last, you know, eleven years of missions that I've experienced, and um, yeah. So a lot of it is, I think, I, even with like the work with Guitars for Glory now, I look back and. Like my the missions trip that I took when I was in 11th grade to New Orleans, like we were all standing together as like a youth group, all like linked up and we were singing how he loves. And like even talking about this makes me emotional and weird. Like my heart is warm now thinking about that. But I look at those moments like I can and like Peru the next year we were sitting all together as a team and we were in this hotel and we we were singing and like Jeff Roters was leading on guitar and we we were all singing there's like a 60 of us or 50 of us or something and we're singing and so loud that the 
hotel is like shaking. Like it was, and so I look back now after six years of working with Guitars for Glory and seeing like, I'm not musical at all, but those worship moments like were so special in my heart and I didn't even know. And now like I look back and I'm like, worship is important. Mm -hmm. And like so much work has been done with Guitars for Glory in the last six years, like personally in my life, but that started when I was, you know, in high school. So yeah, God's just been really sweet to me and um, just the experiences that I've had in, you know, different places across the world. And I I remember coming back from Jamaica as a 14-year-old, and I was, like, pissed that I lived in America. I was like, <laughs> I hate it here. I hate America. I hate that we get to, like— willingly flush the toilet and the toilet paper and whatever. And I was like so mad because I felt like guilty. And and that's hard for, I think like adults experience that too. They come back and they sort of freak out because, because of the drastic differences between America and most of the rest of the world. So yeah, I came back and I didn't want to be an American. But now, you know, I'm very mature now, so I've learned that. <laughs> but I've learned that, like, I, I'm very grateful to, to live in America and to have the resources and, like, the opportunities to go and serve other people in the world. Wow. Well, it, it, it kind of seems like as you're talking, you're describing something that's counterintuitive for us as Americans. and. Uh, that specifically being that, that we can experience like peace and joy apart from material like blessings around us. Yeah. Like, mm. There is something that is available outside of yeah. the material stuff that we all like long for and live for and kind of celebrate as a culture. Yeah. Is that kind of what you had to pull yourself away from a little bit in that process of like, man, the, the rich husband, you know, yeah. that isn't going to be the, the, that isn't going to be the answer to my question. Right. I feel like there's a lot of people though, that are, that they view that as the ultimate goal, like yeah. either being the rich husband, marrying the rich husband, marrying the rich wife, being the rich, wife, whatever, yeah. um, that that's our goal, you know? And, and I just know a lot of people in that situation who are really, really unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've just been taught I mean, like, as Americans, I guess, but we're taught at a young age what comfortable looks like. And um, just, like, I grew up in a very comfortable house. And, and, and my parents grew up in less comfortable houses. So they grew up and they worked really hard and they created this beautiful life for all of us. And I'm extremely thankful for that. Um, but I do think that we are taught, like, work really hard and, you know, buy a big house and buy a nice car and, like, live this American dream. And, yeah, we miss – we distract ourselves with all of the things. So whether it's, like, the next iPhone or whatever, um, yeah, we're just so focused on our own self comfort and happiness and like whatever we can do to be, you know, happy is what we're going to do. And it doesn't matter. And you like kind of forget about the rest, anything else, because you're focused on yourself. So I find it interesting. I meet a lot of people in Rochester that just, and again, this might be mildly controversial. John is just, John just drinking his, his tea. Microphone it is while he, he was heard, drinking a tea. And uh, yeah, sorry but, everybody in the podcast world. But one of the things that I notice is you mentioned that your parents came from, like we'll just say, a, a different socioeconomic place than you did. And I feel like parents tend to lean towards. There's some parents that I meet that on one end they're like my kid is going to have to work as hard, do everything that I do. They're not going to get anything easy. Like if they want the Jordans, they got to save up and get mm -hmm. them. Um, not that you cared about Jordans. I don't know what, no. you know, but anyways, <laughs> like that's a shoe, right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> and then on the other hand, it's, 
I want to try to give the kids everything that I didn't have. Right. And it's like, we're going to go on the trips and the vacation. And there's probably many more that are in the middle. If you feel comfortable, where did your parents land and how did that affect, you know, kind of this desire to do work across the world? Yeah. um, My parents were, they had a good balance. Mm. So like my dad, (laughs) he's, they're, they're both super, super generous people. And he is always like, don't leave. Like, I'll take care of you forever. It's fine. And I'm like, dad, stop. I'm 25. Like, I got it. <laughs> but, um, like, I changed my phone plan. So now I'm paying for it. And he's, like, crying about it. And I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> but he's very kind. Um, so they were super generous as kids. And we knew, like, if we needed anything, even now as adults, if we need anything, like, they're there. And... And so that's like a nice, like it's a nice safety net to have. Um, but they also taught us more my mom. She's a little bit tougher. But um, they taught us like the value of a dollar and working hard. And um, yeah, nothing like it. It doesn't come easy. Like you have to work for it. So that work ethic was installed in us very early so um yeah so they've been they're great and so as a kid that wanted to you know go to jamaica i like they sent me so Mm -hmm. it wasn't like a you know a lot of a lot of parents and i've worked with the youth group for the last few years and a lot of parents are so concerned financially that that is a huge like deterrent whether their kid is going to go like and they they do fundraisers and they send support letters and stuff but it's so stressful to like send your kid so if they you know if the money isn't there already so like I'm really thankful that I didn't have to worry about that as a kid like it wasn't something that like I could just have these opportunities and go. So, and the first one was really, really important for me. And I just didn't like, I guess as a high school, I didn't really notice or care. But then now as an adult, I look back and I'm like, it was really awesome that I didn't have to like worry about finances or stuff. I can just like go. So, and that like, I feel really thankful for that. Um, I know that's not the case for everyone, but yeah. You know, you have a lot of friends that don't go to church. You grew up, and I'm thinking about there's some listeners that probably don't have a faith background. How do you explain to people what you do? Yeah, um, all my friends know that I'm, like, deeply involved in church. So (laughs) they, yeah, even as, like, a young, like, in high school, they just knew that that was where I enjoyed to be. So... Um, yeah, I think so now it's, it's easier to talk. I talk about guitars for glory a lot. I'm sorry, but also not sorry. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. Uh, guitars for glory is a nonprofit that, um, no, but it's a nonprofit that's based out of Rochester that sends guitars around the world to people that have the desire and the heart to lead others in worship or just be a worshiper, um, but they don't have the resources to do so. So we've sent over 600 guitars in the past six years to wow. country to people all over the world. And yeah, it's been really, really awesome just to be a part of and to see God work in like six random friends out of a guy's garage for a long time. We just moved into a new space, but the first six years were in like a very, very tiny garage, but God did incredible things and he's still doing just insane things. So it's been like a super awesome thing to be a part of. Jeff Roeder's yeah. episode 12. <laughs> we'll make that up. Yeah, I, and, uh, around there. If you're in the why God, why, uh, uh, insiders group we just posted the picture of that there but coming back to the question i mean how do you explain to people what you do yeah especially if they don't have like i'm listening to your story and it's like we had this beautiful moment singing guitar and like i i totally know what's going on but i can imagine like is Alyssa a hippie, you know, and, you know, maybe some of your friends say you do you, but like 
there's really something more behind it. So how do you yeah, explain it? Yeah. Well, that was a big struggle when I would come home from trips and like my sister eventually, she was on the last two with me when I was in youth group, but the first two I was alone. And so I came back and I'm like, I was like, tell me about it. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I'm like, I can't tell you because you don't get it. And then I'd like tell a story and she's like, oh, I'm like, no, it was important. <laughs> so it is hard. It's hard to explain. And sometimes those moments, like the worship moments in New Orleans and Peru, like those might just be for me. Like mm. they might just be these important moments that God has like given me. But yeah, to explain like... I guess in like a broader sense instead of like, hey, yeah, this really important moment that I could cry thinking about, you know, 10 years later mm. uh, probably doesn't matter to them. But yeah, but to explain like back to Guitars for Glory, like to explain that people understand music. So they don't really need to, not that they don't need to care about God, but in order to like appreciate what Guitars for Glory does, you just need to care about music. And then you're like, oh, that's really cool that you do that because so many people talk about the needs of, you know, things around the world, people around the world. So to know that, like, hey, I care about music and I care about people around the world, like, that's cool that you do that. So just to, like, explain to people in, like, a broader sense mm -hmm. just to make it seem like, hey, this is like something that you could be interested in because there are interesting things. Like even if you took the whole God part out, like there's still so much goodness. So yeah, mm. I don't know. It is hard. It's like that's been one of my biggest struggles since, you know, becoming a Christian, like talking about my faith to my really close friends and we've had like conversations, but you know, those are always awkward. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten more, more mature, mm. but just, uh, more comfortable, like talking about God in my like everyday speak. So by the way, our next episode is yeah. why is it so weird to share my faith with John <laughs> yeah. Ganan? So, yeah, so there you go. That'll be a perfect I'll have to listen to that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it seems like kind of what you're describing. I can relate to. I mean, I've been on, I don't know, probably 25 short-term missions trips of some sort over my illustrious career. Um, but uh, but I, I've come to realize there's kind of this sense of it's almost a loneliness afterward yeah. because you realize that, that not everybody can appreciate what you've been through. Mm -hmm. um, to explain it to somebody, there's this scene at the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yeah, no, yeah, I know. It's, it's yeah. Anyway, it's old and it's not very hip anymore. But anyway, nerd alert! Scene, yeah, nerd <laughs> like, alert! People are into oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> but there's this scene at the end where these hobbits who've just saved Middle Earth and. I don't know how to explain it beyond that, but they're, they're sitting around this table in this little hobbitly pub and the whole world is going around along without them. And, and they've just saved everybody, but they're just sitting and everybody's just kind of ignoring them because they have no idea what, right. what just happened. And in, in some ways I feel like there's a loneliness that that can kind of be like that. Yeah. Yeah, we always used to say uh, we'd come back from trips and we're like, let's do that again. But everyone that we just went with yeah. has to come back. And it basically just needs to be a replay of the exact same thing that we oh. just did. Like yeah, it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. It's so hard. There is. But I agree. It's like a, a weird thing. You can't really explain because you weren't there, but you want to explain because you want to talk about it because it's so great and wonderful like for your heart but it is it's hard yeah i i want to come back to <clears throat> because you are so passionate and this is why this role is perfect for you and um but what bothers you you know whether it's people in the church or outside of the church when they talk about helping people across the world like what are the things that like basically if someone said it it would be like someone in your head like taking the nails to the blackboard and you're like, you totally misrepresent or under like, what are those things that just make you like? <sighs> yeah. I really strongly dislike when, uh, <laughs> like, let me try to figure out this phrasing. Um, so 
like needy people. That irritates mm. me so much because I'm like, they're not needy people. That is ridiculous. Like they're still people. I think, I think a lot of times we hear like, oh, Africa, everyone's poor and in need and blah, blah, blah. We have to go there and we have to save them. And like, can you see the eye yeah, roll? The eye roll. <laughs> Could you feel it? The, yeah. yeah. yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think just like the neediness thing that everyone thinks is like, we need to save them. We need to help them. And, and they're so needy. Like, mm. ill stuff. Like bringing material possessions. Yeah, to yeah, them because they have them. nothing. Right. Like, we need to, you know, save them. And that will save them. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think that's so backwards. Like, I think people are in need. There's definitely basic needs. And we see that in Rochester, too. Like, there are basic needs that are not being met for, you know, certain people. And, and that's really important. Like, that needs to be, those things need to be met. But going into somewhere because they're, like, so needy for the things that we have is, like, not true at all. And, yeah, I just – but I think viewing people as needy is incorrect because, yeah. like, whether you – whether it's true or not based on, like, material possessions, um, like – being needy. Be- <laughs> Sorry, I'm Italian. She I got, talk with my I hands. Smack the microphone. Yeah. She yeah. got she got preacher fingers. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Let's go. But um, but I think that just puts people in like power mm. places. So like, if I'm saying that you're needy, then I am more important than you, or I'm better off than you are, and mm. I'm you know. And I think with Christians, it can be. Uh, you just have to be careful because when you put that, you know, savior complex thing in and you're like, well, they need me and like we're going to go and we're going to serve and it's going to be really great because we have all these things and we can help them. I just think like, who are you? Mm. You know, you. OK, great. That's really nice that you want to serve them. But you're still a person and they're people. I just think that there's like a lot of. When you view it like that, you're forgetting that there are people, mm, you know, yeah. like people are you're still you still have to be respectful and you still need to. Yeah, just care for people, not because you have all these things and not because they don't have things, but because like you're a person and so are they. Yeah. Can, can you recall a situation like you've already kind of hinted a couple of stories, but can can you recall another situation maybe where where that hit you? That maybe a, a situation where you went somewhere, you were expecting them to be like desperate for material things, but you realized, oh my goodness, you know they actually have more than what I have in some ways. I've I've had that experience before, but yeah, have you had that experience? Yeah, so uh, I went to. Africa. I went to Uganda when I was a sophomore in college and I was like prepared for that. The, you know, like we're going to go and we're going to work with a children's home and it's going to be so great. And, but (laughs) it was, it was so great. Mm -hmm. It really was. Um, but I got there and I feel like so dumb looking at all these kids that could worship God so much harder than me. And so I was looking this little girl who I now am I'm one of her sponsors, so since we left, but um she was probably 5 or 6 at the time and I was watching her they do like devotionals during the evening and then they have worship and time just a time to be together and worship God together. And she was so young and worshiped with her entire little body. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, what, who the heck do I think I am that I like could come to Africa? And, you know, I've read parts of the Bible before. I can do this. I'm like, who am I mm-hmm. to like, like this child's 
is worshiping God so hard. And I have never worshiped like that. So who am I to, and this is like trips deep into my, you know, relationship with God and missions, but I'm looking at this kid and I'm like, I am the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just, I, I want to love God like that. Like I want to worship like that and I want to get over myself because. So, so like, like when you say worship, like, was it just the way she was singing or she danced? Like, no. Yeah. So, she, I mean, she was singing, but her whole, like, you can just like her body was in, I don't know, like a place of surrender. Like it was just really, really beautiful. I don't even, I can't even really explain it, but um, yeah, just the way that she, cause she was like dancing a little bit and singing, but her face was just so beautiful. Like her eyes were closed and she was just so focused, but Mm. it was like a very natural, like, I don't know. She was just, it was her heart and it was so great. But yeah, I was just like, I've never worshiped like that because I'm so concerned about everything else. Like I don't, I can't just give God everything because Mm. what about all the other things that I'm, you know, thinking about? So yeah, that was really eye opening to me just to to view that because she was so young and I was, you know, almost I was in my twenties. So I was like, wait, <laughs> this is not supposed to work. But because it's confusing. It's confusing for your brain to look at someone who doesn't have anything, you know, mm. be happy or yeah, have this joy and like but I have all these things and I'm missing something. So yeah, it is. You know, it's, I mean, I'm sure that you've heard the statistic that like, I think the, the, um, how much money you make based on your happiness, like it's at like 75,000, anything over that, like you become more and more discontent, you know, and we've done interviews, John, about like, we talked about the opioid crisis and we talked, and it's just, it's so funny listening to you, Alyssa, talk about this because we think about what's outside of us, but like I think about what's going on in Rochester with the opioid crisis. We, I mean, one of the big issues in Penfield is teen suicides. That's always on there. And it's just, it's almost as if we're so focused in some areas on here that having a view of somewhere outside of our own world allows us to re-see not just what we have, but just to have a different priority and perspective. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's totally accurate. And I love the way you're putting that because what you're saying is essentially that your heart grew for people. At least this is what I'm picking up. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Your heart grew for people as you entered their world mm-hmm. and you experienced their life, you know, as they were living it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, relationships are very important. And I know that. So I took the perspectives course, which is like a missions discipleship course that's offered each year. And it goes through like different parts of, um, like different areas of missions. And the last part is, um, talks about strategic. So, and when you go in and you think that you're helping by Mm. painting this wall in this building and someone's like, well, actually could have been paid for that to feed my family later today, but thank you for painting the wall, missionary. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's just like, you didn't know about the people you didn't make a relationship with the the place that you came to help so you don't know what they need and and there are stories upon stories of perspective in perspectives of missionaries that are like I came and I like helped them so much with this irrigation system that didn't work at all because it wasn't the correct way mm. based on their land mm. or and because they didn't establish a relationship. They just came in knowing how to do something, how they know how to do it. And, you know, it's going to work here. If it's the same, you know, where I'm from, it should probably work here, right? And, yeah, so that, like, hearing those stories 
were so like a little convicting because I definitely have painted a wall before and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I took the job of someone that could have been paid for it. I was trying to help, but yeah, that's not helpful. It's not helpful if you don't know what actual needs are. So yeah, so to really like to fall in love with people and to really get to know them and that will open up like, do they actually need your help? Mm-hmm. Do they actually like physically need you, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah, just to learn how to serve people correctly comes with relationships. So let me ask you this. Um, I'm a 24 year old. I come to church, you know, maybe twice a quarter, you know, maybe a handful of times a year. I'm hearing you and I'm, you know, semi connecting with the world around me. You know, what, what steps do I need to take even to begin thinking about the world in a helpful way and the needs across the world that'd be helpful? I mean, what advice would you give me? Yeah, I would say connect with a missionary, like adopt one. Um, (laughs) No, you should, you actually should connect with people that are doing work across the world. Uh, You can read, also read, read as much as you can, but um, yeah, learn. What oh. books do you recommend? I'm sorry. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm or or what? Like, wait, what, what, I don't what, read. What, what. Just kidding. Um, yeah, I actually, so right now I'm like, I have books in my head, but they're not about this topic. So I can't even give you okay. a title. I'm so sorry. I'm like, cut that out of this. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, well, I mean, even just pick, pick things. Like if you like a place in the world, like you're interested in it, learn about it, learn about the place. And then connect with someone who works there, you know, like find someone that pours into this area and learn about the people through them. And they can, especially because so much like missions is lonely sometimes. So like if you are working, you're from America and you're working in, you know, somewhere in Europe or in Africa or somewhere, even, you know, in other parts of the, the country, but um, like you're alone sometimes and it's nice to have people here at home, like supporting you, even if that's just prayer or just like a Facebook message. Like, Hey, how are you? What's going on in, you know, Africa? <laughs> What's happening? And, um, yeah. So I think like connecting with people and back to relationships, I just think that's the most important, just like across the board for everything that you do. But, um, yeah, if you like want to get involved before you go, I also encourage you to go. But before you go, if you want to dip your toes into what's, you know, what's going on in the world, like connect with people that are doing the work already. And remind me again, the you know, we don't assume that everyone's from Rochester, but there's some. So if you go to browncroft.org slash missions and then on social media the handle is browncroft global correct okay yeah so you can see some of our partners there yeah okay well hey this has been a great conversation i'm just gonna kind of transition so our last question is what does jesus have to do with this um so john and i we usually um we cause chaos and havoc and then we expect you to bring order so it's great (laughs) so john do you want me or you it doesn't matter. I think you've you've bad laid off, I think, a few times lately. So I'll take a stab and, and see where we go with it. I'm ready to be Derek Cheater. All right. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Um, I really love this conversation. And I think it's important because it forces us to look at our hearts, which is, I think, where where Jesus would have us look first. You know, it's not about just going and doing things. Jesus is more concerned with what our motivation is to go and to do. And those are the stories that you're really pointing out, Alyssa, you know, and what you're describing. I think of Jesus as he's talking to some of the religious leaders during his day. One of the things that he calls them out on, he says, you'll travel to the other side of the world to win one single convert. But when you do, you you put so many rules on them that you uh, make them twice as, and Jesus is being quite old here, but he says, you make them 
twice as much of a child of hell as you are. And you're like, oh my goodness, Jesus, don't say that. That's not very Jesusly. But he calls people out, not on them going. He isn't saying don't do that. But what he's saying is, is your motivation out of love or is it, is your motivation that you're going to, you know, try to instill something into these people that uh, you are the savior and, and not Jesus, you know? Mm. Um, and that's just one that I have to keep in front of me all the time. It's like, what's my motivation <clears throat> for engaging people? And what's Jesus motivation for engaging people? Um, it's not so that they'll check off a bunch of rules, but it's to have a deeper fulfilling relationship with him. Mm. And that is what truly brings life. So that's where I would go with that. Man, that was really good, John. I, um, I'm looking at second Corinthians eight and Paul says, for, you know, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich yet for your sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. And, um, preparing for this episode, I was thinking about there's an atheist by the name of Matthew Paris that writes this article, like the greatest hope for Africa is Christians. And like his whole point was you can't deny what Christians are doing. And, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you, like, just kind of like what John said with heart and motivation, there have been some terrible examples of Christians but there are also wonderful examples. I think of at Browncroft, there are dozens of people that you won't know their name that are going to the city of Rochester every single week, spending time with one or two kids. Um, there are people that we have a partnership in Senegal that they are going to Senegal. They're not just doing Christian things, but like they're teaching women how to sew for industry. And I just sit back and I say that, that it's this motivation from what Jesus gave up so that we could have life that inspires people to do that. And I agree with Matthew Paris, like Africa and other parts of the world would look very different if Christianity wasn't there. Here you go, Alyssa. Yeah. So I know we touched on this already, but relationships, are so important and i think we talked pastor rob talked a few weeks ago uh, about the feeding of the five thousand, mm. and how before that event he was like surrounded by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and they were all like in need of something from him and we were we were talking about this um before that sunday and um i coworker was saying that like he could have literally just like you're all healed like mm -hmm. clapped his hands he could have just healed everyone like that but instead he heard the needs of everyone and like healed people mm -hmm. specifically to what they needed and like because he's personal and relational and like that is what we need to do so when you want to serve or whether that's in where you are locally or if you want to go across the world if you want to do that like you need to establish true relationships in order to serve them the best that they can because Jesus and Jesus knew like he knew what mm -hmm. they needed before they told him but he still wanted to hear from them what they truly needed and and he took care of that need so i think like we yeah we just need to know like to to truly understand someone and to realize that like, they have so much to offer too so learn from other people and and create like you mentioned senegal that is such a cool relationship that Browncroft has had for the last 20 years and people have poured into Senegal financially and you know with material things I know that they've they helped them buy sewing machines and stuff to work on their vocational skills which is amazing like that is and it's important and it's so awesome but the last 20 years you know wouldn't it wouldn't have lasted 20 years if that was the only thing. Mm. So the fact that there is like 
such a deep love. Like anyone, if you talk to anyone that's been to Senegal in Browncroft, they are like, oh my gosh. And they like name them, they name all the girls and they name the missionaries and they love Senegal so much. And that is because they have truly created this relationship so that if you walk in, you've never been to Senegal and you walk in, but they know you're from Browncroft, like they're like, we love you so much. And we like want, like, tell us, how can we pray for you? And we're like, no, no, how can we pray for you? Mm. We're like, no, how can we pray for you? Like, it's just, yeah, just the relationship is so important. And I think that's what Jesus was all about. He was about your heart. He was about, like, why do you want to serve? And, but also just, like, serve. Like, serve people. Don't, I think, yeah, I think we get, sometimes we get, like, Oh, I don't, I can't do that or whatever. And they're like, well, actually you can, like God wants you to. So, and that's not, I mean, don't go just because I feel like I should, but yeah, I just think like establishing relationships and then being bold and mm. going and caring for people. Yeah. Man, this has been really good. As a as a reminder, uh, you can follow Alyssa on Browncroft Global. I think that's on Facebook and tw- uh, Instagram. Yep. I think I'm the only one that tweets. Yeah. But uh, well, anyways. But, you're not the only one in America. Just yeah. the only one at this table, maybe. Yeah. Pretty much. You're the but, hip one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I wouldn't say hip. I'm hip. I'm not even on TikTok. Oh, well, yeah. That's okay. You don't need to be on so, that. Yeah. That, <laughs> so. that would creep me out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You might someday, and we'll laugh about yeah, it. But yeah. anyways, hashtag John Amayo TikTok. Um, <laughs> so like make you'd sure. be really good at TikTok. <laughs> I, I don't want to brag, but I probably would. And, <laughs> I would freak my kids right now. So anyway. uh, if you want to share this episode, you can use hashtag WGW podcast. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, you can go to the website, whygodwhypodcast.com. Don't forget to rate us. As I would say, give us a five-star review. As John would say, give us a review um, based on yeah. how you feel. As please, as we'd all with us. we'd all say, we, we're just very sensitive. But, honest, but be honest. Yeah, honestly, honestly, give us five stars. Yeah, honestly, yeah. honestly, give us a five star <laughs> review. <laughs> no. On that note, thanks, Alyssa. Have a great day. Yeah.